0: So it's the first of September, 2021. You see that this month of August has passed already, and the rains retreat for the rains retreat for the monaster uh, this year has passed by uh, one month and eight days already. And soon it'll be a month and a half, the halfway point of the rains retreat. So we can recollect how time, and this passes by very quickly. If you look back to the way in which time has gone, then it's gone very fast. So the Buddha said that the lives of humans is very short, just like a drop of dew on the tip of a blade of grass, and when the sun comes out and the light from that sun uh, hits uh, that dew, then it dries up very quickly. So for those of us who are maybe 20 years old, if we look back over these 20 years, then it's like it's gone by in a flash. The same for 30 years, 40 years, 50, 50 years, 60 years. We look back into the past, the time that's gone by, and it's gone by so quickly. For myself, I ordained when I was 22 years old. Now it's been 45 years that I've been in the robes, but that those 45 years have gone by very, very quickly. And so we should contemplate this, how time passes in this way. And we should really devote these lives that we have to building up our bhārami, our spiritual qualities, and raising goodness. And we have been born as humans already, and this is very difficult to gain this. Perhaps we may differ from one another in terms of our complexion or the color of our skin, in terms of our occupations or our lifestyle. But some people are lacking for them to just get a meal or find some shelter get medicine or clothing, thats very difficult. And some people have it quite easy. But if they aren't heedless, then even if they were born into a very hard situation, then they'll try to build up a lot of goodness, to use that opportunity to raise goodness. And so this depends upon the wisdom that we have as well. That... Some people are wise, and so even though they're born into a very hard state, lacking in many things, uh, going through many difficulties, many problems, um, they can realise that that is their past karma, karma from a past life that they have made. And even though now, due to their karma, the results of it, they're lacking in many things, they think that. I should do a lot of goodness. I should create a lot of goodness. And so we can hear news about how people um, help each other in this way. That even though um, they're born into a very difficult situation, um, they're still able to help one another out. And they use their faith, they use their wisdom to do this. So it's like when. So when we're born, then it's like there's a kind of darkness um, that kind of covers the mind. And some people are born into a very difficult situation in their lives, just living their lives is very tough. But they have merit, and they wish to cultivate more merit. Um they have merit in the sense that they have these intentions to cultivate more merit, to not do any harmful acts in body, speech, or mind. And so we can call these people ones who have come um in a dark way, but they go towards brightness. And some people they don't have wisdom, and they have a lot of the defilements covering over their hearts. And they just use these lives to create a lot of bad deeds. And so they waste this opportunity that they have. And their minds fall into lower and lower states. And it's probable that the next life will not be a good one. They'll go into one of these states of woe, a place which is ill at ease, maybe being born as an animal. If they're an animal that has a bit of merit, then they'll have some humans with compassion looking after them. But if they don't have people to look after them, then it's very hard. And they have to always be cautious, always be on guard, because there are other animals and people who are out to harm them. And so we see that with chickens and ducks, don't we? That When they go to drink water, they look to the left and to the right first, and they can't afford to be heedless. If there's a loud sound, then they quickly run away. And it's really difficult for them to bring their minds to peace, isn't it, being in this state? And some people, they're born into a good state. They've got this merit. They have everything complete. They're born with a good complexion, quite attractive, and they have everything that they need. But through the lack of intelligence in their minds, They create a lot of bad karma through body, speech, and minds. They do things which are not good. And this becomes the causes and the conditions for their next life to not be good as well. And there are also some people who are born and they have many things. Perhaps they're born into a very wealthy family. Or at least they're born into a state where they're not lacking in the four requisites. They have parents who look after them well, and they have this wisdom and are really intent in um, using their body, speech, and mind in a way which is good, which creates goodness. And they have this interest to build up this goodness every day. And so these are people who have wisdom, and they can create this merit quite easily. And so, in this current state of the world, um, there are so many people going through hardship. And so, this is actually an opportunity for us to, to create merit. And some people just don't have enough food to eat, and many people don't have any jobs. And in most countries, there's this uh, lockdown that's happening or uh, quarantines that are being enforced. And it's very hard for people to live their lives and take care of their lives. And there are many people who are lacking in many ways. But there are also many people who are helping them out. And so those who are sick, they often lack doctors. Many of the hospitals are full already. And large numbers of people are dying. Because they don't have people to assist them. There's not enough people there to help. But for those who are wise, then they can come together and establish groups um, who can help these people out, and they join hands in providing their assistance. So perhaps they use their intelligence to kind of connect with other groups um, and be able to kind of provide services for people who are sick. And maybe helping to send people to hospital, um, organising cars uh, for this. Or maybe buying medical equipment. And so there are many ways to help out during this time when our societies are in quite an agitated state. In all of these things are skillful and meritorious things to do, things which make the mind joyful. And even if we may not have much in the ways of money, we can still use our wisdom to do these good deeds. Maybe we can help give our advice, or we can invite others to help and to assist as well. And so the Buddha taught that this quality of metta, of kindness, supports and looks after the world. The Buddha said that there are four kinds of humans. There are those who come from a dark place and go to a dark place. There are ones who come in a dark way and go to brightness. There are those who come through brightness and go in brightness. And there are those who come in brightness and go in darkness. So this depends really on the knowledge or the amount of delusion that we have. So being born as a human, that's something difficult, it's not easy at all. Having been born, these lives that we have, they don't last long. Those who live over a hundred are very hard to find. And some people maybe live to 110 or 126, even. But it's really not easy to have a life that lasts as long as this. And so it can be difficult just to live our lives. Um, There are those people who may have a lot of wealth, but due to the economic situation, the crisis, then they're separated from that wealth. So being born as a human, having the opportunity to meet with the Dhamma, to listen to the Dhamma, this is very rare, it's not easy to find at all. And the spaces in between these um, times when there is Dhamma and when there is a dispensation of a Buddha, Buddhas to teach, is very long. So, we need to really contemplate to see how this is a great opportunity. That we have this faith, we have this wisdom to have the intention to practice and to see the noble truths, the noble truth of suffering, and to try to find a way out of that suffering. And even though we may not find that freedom from suffering instantly, still we try to train our minds. We try to cultivate our hearts. Because if we don't train our minds, then who is going to do it? And the mind in its untrained state just runs after all of these sensory experiences. It just follows its causes and conditions. And there's always, throughout the entire day, greed, hatred and delusion um, active within the heart. So these lives of ours are uncertain. And we see that people can die at any point. And sometimes even children die. So, But this, um, sorry, if, if we look at birth and death in terms of a physical matter, in terms of um, the body, um, having been born as a child and then dying, probably in old age, then this can take a very long time. Uh, But if we look at birth and death in terms of the mind, then it's much shorter than this. So what causes us to be born as a human in our minds is having the five precepts and keeping these five precepts. And if we don't look after these, then our minds fall lower than the human realm. If we kill the lives of beings, if we don't have good virtue, if we don't say things which are truthful, if we drink alcohol so that we don't have much mindfulness. And maybe many of us have passed through these things before. Perhaps we have uh, drunk alcohol before. Perhaps we have killed animals. But we've seen how these are harmful things that have their drawbacks, and so we've given them up. So being born as a human who has an interest in the Dhamma is something that's very difficult, and some people only gain this interest when they're old already. So I once had a friend who was interested um, in the Dhamma, and, but he was uh, old already, and so he said, and when I was going to ordain, I invited him to do so as well, but he said that um, it was like trying to cut down a tree with a blunt axe, which meant that his body in its old state just kind of wasn't able to take up these practices, wasn't able to go without sleep, wasn't able to sit for long periods. And there are all these Um, ailments that come with old age. Uh, The lungs get weaker, the heart gets weak, maybe get diabetes or high blood pressure. And if people have smoked a lot, then they'll get problems with their lungs. And so if we use our bodies a lot in this life, then it's natural that they'll deteriorate like this. And then when we meet with something good, the Dhamma, and we're not really able to take the practice. So I was about twenty years old at that time. I was listening to the Dhamma, and uh, I wanted to ordain. And so I invited this friend in the Dhamma to ordain as well, but he said that he wouldn't be able to take it. He said that it was like meeting a really beautiful tree, but He only had a blunt axe. And so this was an old saying. It's like you want to build a home, and so you go into the forest to cut down a tree uh, in order to build that house. And you find a very beautiful, straight tree, a a hardwood tree, but you don't have any tools to use to be able to cut it down. So it's like having a blunt axe, you just can't use it. And so this is like those who um, only meet with these teachings, gain an interest in these teachings um, in old age. But some people, even though they're old, they really have this firm intention to practice, and they can still do it. That for some people, the older they get, the more heedful they become. They sit in meditation, walk in meditation, and there was one monk who ordained, at quite an old age. And he could do this, he could certainly walk for long periods, even take up these ascetic practices, go wandering for long periods. And he wasn't heedless. And the young monks just accepted that they weren't able to keep up with him. They asked him how he was able to do this, and he responded that I'm old already, that the time that I have left is very short that I really don't know how much longer I'm going to be in this world. And so he put in his effort right until the day he died. And this means that he went to a very bright place. He had this firm intention to practice the Dhamma, to find the truth. So these things, they depend upon Or in order to get them, then we need to cultivate and build up our bharami, to collect bharami. So we have to have this interest in the Dhamma first, uh, to practice the Dhamma. But really, there's no one who really has this interest right from the time that they were born. um, Because they feel that the Dhamma, it's like bitter medicine that we all like sweet things. And it's natural for children to like sweets because their body needs the energy to be able to grow, that their cells need to use um, this energy to develop. And so we get this habit of enjoying sweet things as children, and this lasts until old age as well. And we don't like bitter things. We just like the sweet things. Uh, But if we get various diseases, ailments, like diabetes, for instance, and then sometimes it requires bitter medicine to be able to cure those. And so there isn't anyone who really has this interest in the Dhamma right from the very start, right from birth, that we have more of an interest in studying and working and trying to get the things of this world, trying to build our lives up in this world. And this is what we want, to gain many of these things. But these things don't last, they don't stay on. So it's just like Venerable Sariputta and Mahā Moggallana, who became the right and left-hand disciples of the Buddha. And before they ordained, they enjoyed themselves just like the average person did. And there was a festival that was going on. And these festivals will last for a long time, maybe nine days, nine nights, or maybe go on for a month, listening to music and watching these shows, being entertained in this way, finding fun in these things. But due to the wisdom that they had, they realized that these things, they don't have any substance to them. And so they thought that it would be better to try and find a path out of suffering. So they searched for an awakened being. And they searched all throughout the Indian subcontinent. And this is a very vast piece of land. In those times, they had to travel by foot, right? And maybe there were just some some wagons that they could use as well. But traveling was very difficult trying to seek and find one who knows, one who could teach them the end of suffering and the path leading there. And where does one find such a being? And so they were looking and looking all over, and they didn't meet with one who could teach them this. And so they returned to Rajagir, uh, where they had been before. But due to Venerable Sariputta's wisdom, that he met Venerable Asaji, and he realized that this was someone quite special, this was someone who had wisdom. So Venerable Sariputta himself had the wisdom to become the right-hand disciple of the Buddha, and that was due to the Bharami that he had created uh, for such a long time. So it's really not easy to create this kind of Bharami, uh, to develop, um, these kind of powers and to develop samadhi, uh, to such a high state. And if he wanted to become kind of the highest level of Arahant, uh, who isn't a foremost disciple or right or left hand disciple, then he could have done that a long time ago. But he built this barami uh, for such a huge period of time, uh, for many kalpas, many aeons. And all he had to do was to look at the face of Venerable Asaji, and to see how bright and radiant his complexion was. And he felt like this must be someone who knows the Dhamma, who has Dhamma. And so he went to ask a question on the Dhamma. So Venerable Asaji realized that this person, this wanderer who was asking him this question, wasn't a normal person. That he had gone on arms round through Ajakir many times, and no one had asked him the Dhamma before. But this wanderer had the wisdom to come and ask him a question. But when he was asked, then he responded that, I'm just newly ordained. And so he was very humble. And Lumpo Cha would give the example of Venerable Asaji very frequently to tell his students and to teach them about this quality of humility. And he would bring up this example using the principles that um, Venerable Asaji embodied uh, to teach this quality of humility. He said that I've been ordained for just a short period, and I don't know the subtle details of the Dhamma. So this wanderer, Sariputta, he listened to this, and he knew that this must be someone with a lot of wisdom. And he said that it's not necessary to teach the Dhamma in depth, that just a summary will suffice. And he was like a glass which was almost filled with water. It just takes one more drop and it's full already. So Venerable Asaji taught him the Dhamma, that all Dhammas, all things, um, have a cause for their arising. And all things here means all physical things, all mental things, that which is sentient or non-sentient. This all counts as Dhamma. And so the cause for their arising, the Buddha taught this, and he also taught their cessation as well. And really, this means that Dhamma is just Dhamma. It's not a being, it's not a self, it's not an other, All physical things, or mental things, these all arise and cease. And Venerable Sariputta realized that, ah, this is how things are, things are just this way. And that was enough for him to see the Dhamma. Really, Venerable Assaji was prepared to teach him further, but he said, not just yet, not yet. Because he had made this pact uh, with Venerable Maha Mogalana that whoever found the Dhamma first would tell the other person, and would go and relay that Dhamma, teach it to them. And they'd been creating Bharami together for a very, very long time already. So he went to find Bhumaha Moggallana and took the Dhamma to him. And he listened and attained to stream entry. This is something that's really amazing. And so some people ask, why is it that Venerable Sariputta was the one who saw into the Dhamma first? Why wasn't it Venerable Gulana who met with Venerable Asaji? Because the bhārami that they had was equal, and they'd been creating this bhārami together for a very long time. So why did Venerable Sariputta uh, meet with the Dhamma first? And this is something that's worth thinking about. But if we're going to speak in terms of causes and conditions, um, then we could say that Venerable Sariputta had created this barami of wisdom, and Venerable Mahamoggallana had created the barami uh, for samadhi to become very strong and well established. And so it took just seven days for Venerable Mahamoggallana to attain arahantship after having listened to the Dhamma of the Buddha, but it took 15 days for Venerable Sariputta, and that's because he needed to use a lot of his wisdom to contemplate a lot. And they went on to become a pair of disciples, the left and right hand disciples of the Buddha. So for us, being born as humans, meeting with this Buddhist religion, seeking out the Dhamma, these noble truths, in order to see into the truth, And this is something that is very rare. So therefore, in this life, we should really take this practice on. That in each day, we try to ensure that our minds are at least on the level of a human. And we can think that when we die, well, some people think, well, when I die, where am I going to go? But this is thinking too far into the future. We should look at it more in terms of our everyday experience, in terms of this present moment. And so we can see how if we chant a lot, if we listen to the Dhamma, if we sit in meditation, and we just carry on chanting, chanting without stop, go through this chant of itipiso, bhagava, arahang, sama, sambutu, and just cultivate our hearts through chanting and do this continuously, um, then our minds become better and better. And this is something that we can do continuously. and something that the laity can do as well. And when we do this, then there's a brightness and a happiness which appears within the heart. And so these kinds of people, then, when they have the opportunity to do goodness, then they will. And so if we opened the monastery, or when we opened the monastery after lockdown, then they'll come to the monastery to offer food, to listen to the Dhamma. And these are the people who are on the side of Dhamma. But there are other people who, when things start opening up again, then they just go out shopping. And that's because they find happiness. there. It's a different kind of happiness, but it's a habit that they have created. And so wherever it is that people find pleasure, find ease of heart, then that's where they go to. So we should contemplate, and we should train ourselves. We listen to the Dhamma, and we can see the value of the Dhamma, that it really is something incredibly valuable. I remember the first time that I went to stay at a forest monastery. It was a monastery that was close to where I was working. I was working at the um, Siam cement uh, factory. And I had this interest in the Dhamma, and so I went to go stay at a forest monastery. But I was also terrified of ghosts um, ever since I was a child. So I bought a friend to go along with me. And it was an old monastery. There were many uh, dogs there as well, and they would bark all the time, especially when the bell was rung, and they would all bark. And the kuti that I was staying in the hut was an old kuti. It was above a water tank. And I found out that the previous occupant of that kuti was a man who was looking after the monks, but he recently passed away. And so if I was just staying by myself that night, then it would have been really difficult. Uh, But luckily I was with another person as well. It was very dark in that monastery. that They didn't turn any of the lights on at night. But I was trying to find a path of practice, trying to find a way to train my mind. And I would read many dharma books and go to some more well-known monasteries in order to get these dharma books to read them and try to listen to the teachings of the Grubha Ajahns, these great teachers, and so back in those days, it really wasn't easy to be able to do this. You really had to put effort into trying to find these things and try to seek the Dhamma out. And so I did this until I became a student of many of these great teachers. I decided to ordain at uh, Wat Nambapong with Venerable Lumpo And he had his kindness and compassion to take care of me. And I loved him, just like... Uh, a father, and he took me in as his own child. And so he once asked my mother uh, whether he could have one of her children as his own, uh, referring to me. And so back then, in order to listen to the Dhamma, it really wasn't easy at all. Finding Dhamma tapes was very hard, they didn't have CDs back then. But these days, it's not so difficult. Those who have an interest in the Dhamma and creating merit, then really they should be able to see the Dhamma easier than before. If we don't send our minds out all the time, but if during the space of a day our minds are constantly being being sent outwards, then all their mindfulness will go. It's like the batteries have run out. They've all been used up already. And so it's difficult to bring the mind to peace. So we need to try to recharge our batteries. And the way we do that is through samadhi. And this is when our minds have been charged with samadhi, then they'll gain brightness. They'll be able to have wisdom arising in them. Be able to contemplate, to see the nature of all Sankara's conditioned phenomena, be they mental or physical, and see how they arise, they stay for a bit and they cease. Able to see the Dhamma in this way, and just like the Dhamma that very Venerable Sariputta saw this nature of arising and ceasing. So we should set our hearts on doing this, on creating goodness, creating merit always trying to do this kind of kamma, these kinds of actions. And if we do this, then the chance that we have to see the Dhamma becomes easier and easier. It's not something difficult anymore. But what happens if we don't do these things, if we don't devote ourselves to creating goodness? Well, then we just waste this opportunity that we've been given. And when we move on from this life to the next, then where are we going to go? What are we going to meet with? Are we really sure that we're going to be born as a human or be born as a deva? And really, we can only be sure if we have the Dhamma within us. And if we don't have the Dhamma yet, then we should try to build up this confidence that we will gain a good rebirth by building up a lot of goodness, by not being heedless, by using this opportunity well. Because this opportunity that we have right now is the best opportunity that there is. So for the monks, we have the time to chant, to meditate. And this is really the the foremost work of a monk, is that of mental cultivation for the laity, have to work for 8 hours, 10 hours, or even 12 hours a day in order to uh, make money. And for some people in the state of the world now, it's really tough. They may not even have a job. For those who are wise, then they can find a way to get some money. But for those who don't have much wisdom, it's really tough. For them to be able to look after themselves and care for their family, it's something that's not easy at all. And so we may see in the news how people are reacting to this. There's the story of uh, a mother who picked up her child and jumped from a building. And was trying to leave the world in that way. And the child, she wasn't prepared to leave her child, but the child didn't have a choice. This child had to go with uh, its mother. And so she was trying to find a way out. But really, this isn't the way out. It doesn't work. Because it's not the case that if we die from this life, then there's nothing left. It's just oblivion. That if we believe that, then that's wrong view. And it's like, if we don't have a body anymore, then it's like being in a dream. And if there's a lot of suffering there and we're not able to wake up, then what do we do? And so when we die, then there's still this mind which carries on. And so death, it's not the path out of suffering because there's still the next life and the life after that. So we need to really put up a fight in this human world to not try to destroy this human body that we have. Because these bodies are very helpful things. They have brains which are very good and useful. And so we try to use that opportunity, use this body to create bharami, to create merit, and to always be thinking, speaking, and doing good things, to try to not create any bad or harmful deeds, and really set our hearts on trying to find the Dhamma, trying to seek out the Dhamma. And really, this Dhamma, it's this nature of arising, lasting, and ceasing. And when we see this, then we'll gain wisdom. And so may all of you set your hearts on this.